Yeah, there's um, Brotherhood of Satan back in 1971, The Hunger, all sorts of, of films that portray old people, the elderly, and, you know, and that big broad brush umbrella as stealing youth, stealing the life force out of younger people. This is Crow's Feet, a place where we ponder the question, are these our golden years or does aging just suck? Well, yes, getting older is not for the faint-hearted, but aging also brings wisdom and humor, a finely tuned perspective on life. In our podcast, you'll meet writers and others rethinking our later years, people who inspire us to reimagine our future. Well, it's that time of the year again. The air is cooling and the leaves on the trees are turning colors. But if you're like me, what you really look forward to is Halloween. Even if you're not a year-round horror fan, when late October rolls around, you might find yourself checking out some scary movies and TV shows. Our guest today has been watching these kinds of shows for quite a while, and she's noticed something in them. The thing movie makers and TV showrunners really want us to be afraid of. The thing that sets spines tingling and hearts racing. It's, you guessed it, Aging. <laughs> From the wicked antics of Betty Davis and Whatever Happened to Baby Jane to those creepy satanic witches and nosy neighbors in Rosemary's Baby, at the movies, getting old is scary business, and it can generate big business at the box office. But what do these frightening depictions actually have to say about aging? I'm your host, Betsy Allen, and today we're speaking to Cynthia Miller, a writer, cultural anthropologist, and professor at Emerson College in Boston. She's authored more than 20 books, including a fascinating anthology featuring her writing and that of other movie experts. It's called Elder Horror, Essays on Film's Frightening Images of Aging. And Cynthia, or Cindy as we'll be calling her here, will talk to us today about just what Hollywood finds so scary about getting older. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you, Betsy. As we focus on something like scary movies, I, I wonder about the possible message that's conveyed when we see older people on the on the screen. There are a lot more of them, and uh, I'm going to at least personally attribute it to baby boomers aging. Right, we've got this significant segment of the population us among them, who are getting older and all of a sudden having to face senior citizenhood and, oh my gosh, I am not the the young, hip person that I used to be and the world doesn't look at me that way. How am I, as, as an aging boomer, going to think about getting old? What does that mean for my sense of identity, where my life is going, how I'm viewed by others? You know, am I still valuable? Am I still, um, in big air quotes here, relevant? All, all that kind of stuff. That's great fodder for um, all kinds of television and movie dramatizations about all the possible ways that that can work out. It's pretty much a, a negative connotation, right? We're looking at older people as isolated, older, older people as victims, older people as aging to be something to be feared. What, what movies especially speak to you or stick out in that way to you? Working in the horror genre in particular, there's just, there's so much out there that casts 
being old as being something either to be afraid of becoming or as fearful to others. Things like one, one of my favorites, Drag Me to Hell from 2009. <laughs> this really fun film about an elderly woman cast as a Romany gypsy. And in the course of the film, she dies fairly early on, but she curses one of our, our major characters. Someone has cursed you. Is the Lamia, the most feared of all demons. And it's the curse that we're, we're living through over the course of the film and watching the legacy of this really hideous, visually grotesque old woman. So the plot line, she's, um, she's old, she's poor. Okay. Because we know that that goes hand in hand with being elderly. She's visually completely out of step with society around her and goes into a bank to meet with a bank manager who is young and trendy and very put together and has great personal hygiene. And during the course of, of their discussion, the young woman walks away. The old lady grabs a candy out of a, a little bowl on, on her desk, takes out her dentures and puts them on the desk, dripping with saliva. And it's just the grossest thing so that she can suck on the candy while this girl is gone. And that scene for me says so much about how monstrous we can make aging. You know, how gross can we make this woman look? How many disgusting habits, how many of those really valued social things can we completely strip her of all in one scene? It has that kind of way of othering that that person, a kind of um, way to make aging seem like something that is a, a foreign land. But she is a person who can curse. And later on, we find she actually has power in her in her curses. Yes. Yeah, she's super powerful. She's probably the most powerful character in the film, just not in a good way. <laughs> And, you know, and her curse lasts through the length of the film and, and ultimately, you know, creates all kinds of havoc and disaster. So she's got these, you know, these far reaching consequences for not respecting the status of being elderly and not trying to look out for and protect vulnerable elderly people. So there's, there's a lot of different messages going on there, which I think is one of the things that makes the film great. We see that a lot with some of these films where they're looking at aging as a degenerative process that can be, you know, kind of scary and meant to meant to scare audiences. I'm thinking further back in time to movies like Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and and Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Poor Betty Davis really got saddled with a lot of these roles. You know, somebody who almost looked grotesque and and makeup and things to show, you know, that that aging was this degenerative process that that made people look fearsome and it, it was something to really really be uh stressed out and worried about too yeah and and actually more pronounced in those two films in particular because the characters are supposed to have been gorgeous when they were younger here's these icons of of feminine beauty who are now old and 
if not hideous, decrepit and, and kind of like, oh my gosh. So if this happens to even the beautiful people, what hope is there for the rest of us? Another theme I'd kind of seen a lot, I guess, if you're going to count all the vampire movies I've made, which are like the stars, so many, is fighting back time or kind of sucking the youth out of the young. Yeah, there's... um I'm trying to think like Brotherhood of Satan back in 1971, um, The Hunger, all sorts of, of films that portray old people, the elderly and, you know, and that big broad brush umbrella as stealing youth, stealing the life force out of younger people. Another one of my, my very favorite movies, which kind of connects to this in an odd way is, um, Baba Hotep. I, I show this to my students every semester because there's just nothing else out there like it. All I know is it's about Elvis and a nursing home. <laughs> and JFK, who didn't really die, suspension of disbelief, in a nursing home in East Texas where, you know, no one knows that they're alive. Could have gone from the king of rock and roll to this old guy in a rest home. You were an Elvis impersonator. You fell off a stage and broke your hip. And the nursing home is menaced by a mummy. What we have here at Shady Rest is an Egyptian soul sucker of some sort. Some kind of Bubba Hotep. You know, a mummy hiding out, feeding on the sleeping. The mummy literally sucks the life out of the elderly people and the rest home so that it can stay alive. Just the same way in a parallel that we fear sort of pop culture wise, old people, evil old people who will plot to suck the life out of, of the younger people. Now, in this particular movie, the, um, the actual living old folks win because Elvis and JFK man up and save the day and beat the mummy and, and save all their old friends in the nursing home. But it really, you know, at its heart, the movie's also about these two old men and how they can kind of have one last gasp of regained masculinity before they die. So there's a lot of layers of, of stuff going on there. But yeah, that captured by old people so that they can use your bodies and, and just continually regenerate. And as that body ages, steal another young body or suck the life force out of, out of people. It's, yeah, we, we put some really scary stuff on old people in horror movies. How often do you see old people, as in that movie Bubba Hoptep, as heroes or people who can fight the uh, fight the evil? There's another baby boomer phenomenon, because prior to this, prior to boomers starting to age, you didn't see it as much. It was just you know we all look like Nosferatu, right? <laughs> That's it. But now that boomers are aging, we get that that kind of conflicted image. Well, you know, wait a minute, maybe I don't have to be old and evil and scary. And maybe I could be old and still be the hero. But Harrison Ford in an interview said that he didn't understand why we expected our aging heroes to not actually age. You know, they have to be that same action hero that they were when they were younger and not an older hero who does age-appropriate heroics. 
But typically, typically there aren't a lot of, of heroic old ones. One of my favorites, and, and here I'm like going through the mental Rolodex of all my favorite films, Insidious, The Last Key, starring Lynn Shay, who is just a fabulous actor. Um, and Lynn Shay is an aging boomer herself and got cast in an age-appropriate role. How often does that happen? But she's an aging hero in this film where she has para, paranormal gifts. You know, she can, she can see dead people. People who need help with matters that can't be explained come to me. These hauntings can be terrifying things. I should know. I've faced many evils in my life. She sees dead people and she clears evil spirits out of homes. And this is this is her life's calling. And in the movie, in the present day of the movie, she's called to a home because there are there are evil spirits. There are ghosts. There's something going on. The house is possessed and she's ready to go and then asks for the address and here's the address and finds out it's her childhood home. Yeah, so it's that whole you can't go home again kind of thing, and she has to. Um, as the story progresses, we find out that this is an evil that she allowed into the home when she was a child. A demonic force tricked her into opening a door that was kind of a portal between worlds. And so as a little girl who was frightened and alone with an abusive father and all that, she had been tricked into letting this evil in. And now as an old woman, she has to go back to that house and make it right. And she's not Indiana Jones. She's not Lara Croft. She's There's no action heroics here. She's a frightened elderly woman who says, well, I'm scared, but this is what I've got to do. She's not flawless. And yet at the end of the day, she still saves the day, which is kind of cool. I think that's very empowering to show a, a, a person, regardless of age, with all their flaws, I, I think is a really, that's a really refreshing take on older people in horror cinema. Yeah, it really is. And, and I love in the very beginning when she gets that call, she hears the address. And the first thing she says is, I'm sorry, I can't help you, and slams down the phone and kind of staggers back. She's so human right there. And, and it could have ended right there and she could have moved on, but there's, you know, the whole moral message of, you know, clean up your mess and, and all that. But it is, it's just incredibly empowering to see that. Um, a parallel that we see to that is the sort of wise old character who has knowledge, has historical memory that other characters don't have and brings that to the mix too. And I have kind of mixed feelings about that. On one hand, I love it. And I love the respect for memory and time and aging and, and all that that bundle brings. But on the other hand, I feel like it also, the other side of the coin is the magical old person. Our elders know things. I'm old. Why do I have to know stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I might, and I might. <laughs> and depending on the day you ask, I might or might not remember. <laughs> That's true. I, I, that's a good point. Um, as much as I 
like to think I know stuff, but I, I also think it's, you don't want that to become that trope of the wise old woman or the wise old man, because it kind of lacks the nuance of the way people are in real life. Exactly. Yeah. Reality isn't all one way. It's not the harbinger. You know, there's nobody that has this special connection to fate or, you know, another dimension to let you know what's going to happen. We're all just feeling our way through. And I think we're still working our way toward those kinds of characters. You're listening to Cynthia Miller, and we're going to be talking with her in just a moment about how the roles of older women in horror may be changing from villains and victims to empowered women willing and able to take on the forces of evil. If you like what you're hearing, please follow the Crow's Feet podcast, and you'll be alerted when a new episode is available. Reviews are always welcome. I want to go back to what you said about Harrison Ford. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of uh, the fact that he said that in relation to his, I guess, his last depiction of Indiana Jones, Dial of Destiny. In fact, he, for most of the movie, he is old. Yes, he's riding a horse down a subway station, as, as one does. And he's doing <laughs> other things that are pretty heroic, but he got to be that older hero. Why is that so hard for Hollywood to do for women? I think there's a lot going on there with um, ideals of the female body. You know, there's always been that, you know, men age better than women thing. And again, I'm sitting here, you can't see, but I'm sitting here with these big air quotes um, where it's just... I get respect for an aging female body is not really there. In fact, if you look at a movie like The Shining, where Jack Nicholson is seduced by this beautiful character in a room in the hotel. And then as he's, you know, got her in this in embrace and they're making out and, and all of that. And she transforms into just this incredible hag. And there's such fear around the female body as it ages, whereas we still have that kind of, oh, men age well trope going on in, in a lot of pop culture. And Harrison Ford, great case in point. He's considered to still have it, even if he doesn't have it to do his own stunts without breaking something. Women are still like, yeah, you know, he's still, he's still got it. <laughs> okay. Full disclosure, he was my crush in uh Okay. When I was in high school. But yeah, absolutely. I, I see that a lot. And I've I've seen the term hagsploitation, you know, using older women as scary centerpieces of these movies like witches and the quintessential witch and that kind of dichotomy of women as scary and powerful and women as scary and powerless. And I was wondering if you could kind of speak to where you think that might be evolving, uh, possibly becoming more nuanced and less like eh, scary old woman. And there really is that dichotomy of, you know, scary across the board. And then you're either a victim or a villain, it, one or the other. You're the, the powerful old woman who bathes in the blood of virgins so that you can stay young. Or, or you're the old woman who, especially with Halloween, 
in the offing here, you're, you're the old woman who is accused of everything that can possibly go wrong. And, you know, my crops died. It's your fault. Uh, my daughter miscarried. It's your fault. And the interesting thing about that is, is I think in order for that to shift and become more nuanced, our understandings of women and in particular women's Women's place in society and women's relation to each other needs to kind of continue to shift and be more highlighted because in a lot of those early witch narratives, right? A lot of them were, were jealousy based. The old verging on hag, jealous of the young, beautiful woman. And even in the actual real life Salem witch trials, you know, jealousy causing young women to be accused of witchcraft because, you know, someone's husband is is attracted to them or because they're young and beautiful and get too much attention. And I think we haven't quite moved away yet from that framing of, of competitiveness across women that brings so much of that on. I know there have been some depictions of uh, women as witches that have been, you know, a more lighthearted, I guess. But usually they're younger women, right? Young and pretty, you know, um, or young and comic, right? It's it's always one or the other. It's it's either you're you're the hot witch, which is you know a whole other thing, or you're um you're Bette Midler, you know, you're you're a comic witch. And the one thing that strikes me about all of this is I think. Aging boomers continue to be the key to this and probably aging Gen Xers is this idea that as we look deeper at what women have to offer society and, and our culture as they age and don't see old people and old women in particular as kind of on the sidelines and having lost any ability to contribute to society, I think then aging takes on a very different look. In other cultures where aging is respected and old old folks are venerated and seen as the backbone of the society, you don't find a lot of this this horror of being old. And I think as we, as we more recognize that, that people turn 65 or 70 and they're not out of the game and they still have things besides the stories of the elders to transmit to society around them, that they're still, they're active, they're still working, they're still creating, they're, you know, they're vibrant people. Then I think those depictions will shift with them, you know, kind of going back to our, our very first question about you know, where does all this come from? It's all about us all the time. And you kind of say in your book, um, we can move from victims and villains to wise sa saviors and fierce warriors to that more empowered uh, kind of characterization for both men and, and women in horror. And uh, I hope that is a trend going forward because, you know, as you pointed out, uh, not only are more I guess, baby boomers making these kinds of movies. But those of us who loved the movies when we were teens, the scary movies, a lot of us love them as we get older, but we, we want to see ourselves depicted on the screen too. Exactly. We want to see Jamie Lee Curtis as she is right now, still kicking ass. That's I, mean. I love it. I In love an appropriate way. <laughs> You 
You've been listening to Cynthia Miller on the Crow's Feet Podcast. This episode was produced by me, Betsy Allen. I want to thank the Crow's Feet Podcast team, Nancy Peckenham, our founder, Rich Halton, our sound editor and designer, Nancy Franklin, our marketing and public relations expert, and the Crow's Feet writers and editors who make up our team. Lee Bench, Melinda Blau, Jean Felderson, Jan M. Flynn, Jane Trombley, and Warren Turner. The Crow's Feet original theme music was composed and performed by Rand Bishop. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Crow's Feet, Life as We Age. Don't miss any of our great stories. Subscribe to Crow's Feet wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and family to give a listen to and leave a rating or review. You can read more Crow's Feet stories online at medium.com forward slash crows hyphen feet. So until next time, remember to savor every moment. As Philip James Bailey said, it matters not how long we live. But how? How about making friends with your crow's feet?